Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It is time for episode 53. 53. 53. Is that? Of the Rocket Punch cast. Is that how we're going to say it? 53. Okay. Tree Fitty. Not Tree Fitty. 53. 53. Stop. You're trying way too hard. Of the Rocket Punch cast. I'm Seth, joined by my usual compadres. We got Will. Yo, what's happening? We got Cameron. Hello. And Mr. Chaz is back. That what? means... Oh, yeah. What? We are at full power. Full yes. reactor ignition. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're back. This is episode 53 of the Rock Punchcast, where we're here to talk about video games and the microphones. I feel like now that we're all back, we can truly just harness our uh, our abilities to truly transform and combine into something great. I feel like we're the... Like we're the planeteers, and now we can no. put put our rings together to s- summon Captain Planet. Oh, okay, Voltron. I'm I'm down with that. Can we? Can can I be? Can it be that we're the planeteers? You can be one no, too. Stop <laughs> saving our planet is the thing to do. No, ah, looting and polluting yep. is not the way. Yep, yep. Here's what Captain Planet <laughs> has to say: The power is yours. I would rather we be like Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles are cool. That also works. That also works. Or Voltron. You know the series, uh, the season two is now out on Netflix. Yes, go watch I, that. Season two of season Voltron. Two of Voltron. Yeah. Oh. Legendary Defender. Yeah. That, if you've not good. watched that cartoon, it's really, really good. It's, it's okay good. because apparently we're getting Game of Thrones, but with vampires, <laughs> with Castlevania. <laughs> but it's going to be done by the people at Adventure Time, so it's going to be fun. It's animated. Interesting. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't cartoon... have enough facts on that. Yeah. Okay. So, so Cartoon Federator and um, the guy behind the Power Rangers live action short that Saban shut down into the ground. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, they're getting together to create a Castlevania uh, television series. Mm. So it's going to be Best Minds from Adventure Time plus the guy who made the best grittiest Power Rangers that, thing ever. That was good. It had so, Kenny Sackoff in it. It's, so yeah, that was phenomenal. Yeah, it was pretty good. So like, if if those two are working together on something, then I'm all in. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. Plus, um, Netflix is also finished with their live action Death Note series, so that's also gonna be cool. What is going on over at Netflix? I have no idea. Apparently, they got a bunch of money and they are spending <laughs> it. They make good content. There's a lot of they original do. stuff you don't even know. Is out and it's just whoop. and Arcos was good. I mean, House mm-hmm. of Cards has always been good. Gilmore Girls, awesome. The Luke Cage and uh, Jessica Jones, all the Marvel stuff, all the yeah. Marvel stuff. Like, Ooh, the Iron Fist trailer came out too today yeah, as well. Oh, not today, but it came out this week. <laughs> Sorry, big it's Marvel a, fan. It's a yeah. good time for streaming original content. Actually, we're talking about comics to some extent. I, I want everybody's take because we did participate in this this weekend. No, that's true. For, for people in the Huntsville, Alabama area, it was the first ever Huntsville Comic Con that we went to this week. I think everyone went to at least for a little bit of time. Yes. Right. Um, number one, it was awesome. Um, I'm definitely interested and excited to see how it turns out next year, like what they develop into um, next year. Because it's, it's the first it's the first year for a convention. I'm sure yeah. they're learning their um learning their learning the ropes. But it was in the Low Mill Arts and, Enter- Arts and Entertainment District. So if you're in Huntsville and you know about Low Mill, right. very artsy kind of district and building there. You know how every city has that one thing that used to be like an industrial center, and then a bunch of artists move in and turn it into a huge studio. 
Oh, a hippie commune. Ah, see, I was just about to say that damn hippies. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one side of the prism, maybe, but uh, that is basic. That's the Huntsville edition of that. Okay. But it was really cool. Yeah. I mean, what what did everybody think about it? I can tell you, Saturday it was packed. Really? Oh yeah, no, Good. I was there Friday, Saturday, and I can tell you, Saturday was about slammed. I like, saw there were a lot of people there, a lot of um, pictures on Facebook of like cosplayers and whatnot. Yeah, going there. Um, had a cool stuff. I got um. Cool little Dragon Ball Z keychain, like those were really cool. Oh yeah, they no, were we really detailed. <laughs> yeah, I was really shocked that they we were both able had to... to have Vegeta. Of course, Vegeta. <laughs> I was um, there for like the first part of Friday morning, so I went in. You know, when not a lot of people were there to take a look at some of the booths and, and everything else, um, and found out about a few conventions I didn't know about. For instance, did you guys know that in Atlanta there's like a, a Buffy convention? So, like, for Buffy the Vampire Slayer oh. and for Supernatural and all those other things. So, um, I they, know Atlanta can be a scary place. Atlanta is a scary place. <laughs> uh, and so, found out about a lot of those. Um, I saw there was this uh, booth for, what, miniatures? You guys, that's the, the one you're talking about, the, the Tokyo the, Toy Box, Tokyo, Tokyo Toy Right, Box. right, right. And there was a few miniatures uh, there, too, as well. My my wife got me um, a Cubay shirt because I am... I'm into all things Magical Girl, uh, so that includes Monica Magica, um, Pretty Cure, uh, Sailor Moon. So it includes all of all of that stuff. And she got me that shirt, which I'm going to wear as soon as it goes to the wash. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have the shirt idea for it. Here we go. Mm. I can't remember the cat flying cat thing's name. You know. Nyan Cat? Not Nyan Cat. <laughs> From Monica Mod- Magica. Yeah, Cubay. Cubay. Uh, Cubay, yeah. Cubay. I'm talking Cubay, but on Elsa's body. And it says, do you want to sign a contract? <laughs> and she's doing the, like, finger flip. With the, she normally does the snow in the, in the thing. And it's just, like, a contract floating yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. Get to work on yeah. it. Yeah. Um, we talked, I'll definitely say, at least from the creator spotlight portion, talked to a lot of people. Got a lot, like, potentially have a lot of creator spotlights lined up. I'm really excited about that. Man, Cameron, this creator spotlight show sounds really cool. <laughs> Where can I go and look at things related to Creator Spotlight? Well, Seth, you can always go to rocketpunchago.com, and it will be right there on the front page. Yay! Now, we've, uh, uh, we announced back in um, November during our anniversary stream, December during the anniversary stream, that Creator Spotlight was spinning off into its own show. Yes. I don't think that we've drilled that home quite enough, so make sure that you head over there. Uh, you, they used to show up in the podcast feed, but that didn't make a lot of sense because we have a podcast, but then the creator spotlights were usually like a different tone. So we made them their own show. So make sure to go to rockapunchgo.com. There's a tab right at the top that has all the latest episodes. Um, it's the first thing you see once you scroll down, and you can go ahead and subscribe to that show because Cameron is leading that up with, I think, about two episodes a month. About two to three. It's every other um, Thursday, alternating with Tang and Spank. Um, I know our our latest one just went live. It was uh, Bellwether Games with Dennis Hoyle. That was a really awesome conversation. Of just like learned a lot more about board games, yeah, than I thought, and kind of the work that goes behind those. Um, it was really cool. So definitely check out the iTunes feed and yeah. listen to that. That was really cool. Um, there were board games at the Comic Con too. Yes, there were board games. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't buy any. Some of those were really expensive. I mean, board games super expensive. Yeah. Board game. Um, my I will say at the Huntsville Comic Con, my favorite cosplay was a uh, Sakura. We saw Sakura. Oh yeah, and that was really I was, uh, like okay, Sakura's cool. There was a police girl. 
from Helsing Ultimate. <laughs> okay. Oh. On Saturday. And Man, I miss that one. She did a good job. <laughs> I miss that one. I miss cosplay. I I've saw. Got, yeah. I've got the components for Big Boss. I just got to click. We're, we're waiting. We're waiting I, for that one. Oh man, listen. Would you say that you're keeping us waiting? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jazz. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be good. <laughs> one of these days, I need to get around to it. Um. Anyways, uh, anything else fun? What else? What other fun things have we been up to this weekend? Um, played the For Honor beta, and that have some differing views on that i guess i i really liked it um i like the combat but i'm a dynasty warriors fan so for me it's it's more improved dynasty warriors because you have a whole bunch of people on your side of the field and a whole bunch of people on their side of the field and you're trying to sort of take over different points um so it was a matter of me going against other captains and then trying to figure out how to dodge them and everything else like that. Um, it was plagued with connection issues because, well, beta servers. Uh, so, well, the game comes yeah. out the time that you're listening to this podcast. Right, so correct. hopefully it wasn't that much of a beta. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you I did not enjoy it at all. Really? Why not? Uh, I actually don't like the combat system. What about, like, is it is it too technical or? I, I feel... I feel that it could have been done better in a different way. Think of, like, it, it's very much like if they're going up and you go up, you block or parry, uh, depending on what's going on. Mm-hmm. So my issue with this is it feels a little too rock, paper, scissory. And I would prefer, like, a combo system, kind of like a fighting game, more so. See, I had another friend play it, and they told me that it felt a lot like a fighting game, that there were, like, combos that you did. I haven't played I mean, it myself. I there, mean, there are some combos, but I'm talking about, like, I would almost prefer like a, a behind the back street fighter style where you can block high, block low, block mid, or oh, attack yeah. high, low, mid. Gotta count those frames. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you get what I'm saying. Like I, I would prefer something more along those lines. Or say, you remember the uh, GameCube and PS2 um, uh, Lord of the Rings games? Yeah. Something along those lines mm. as far as combat. But I have an unpopular opinion. Mm. I think that game's going to flop really hard. I don't I, like it, and I'm not putting my sixty dollars. I, I just like I just get this air of like, I just get a raunchy. It, overall, the game has not. It's had mixed opinions <laughs> on the beta. Yeah, and well, the fact that it's coming out this week, probably by the time people listen to this, is not really great to hear. Yeah, the the problem that it runs into mainly is that it's it's unfair, but it, you're facing for honor against other games that are coming out. In this time period, you have like Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, Breath of the Wild. Uh, people are not going to be, even if this like garners a whole bunch of support, you know, and people buy it um, in a few weeks, any online support is just going to drop off. And with it being a principally online multiplayer game, it depends on a community. And yeah. if a community isn't there or if they're going to play other games, then yeah, it's going to suffer. It's yeah. going to suffer yeah. the same thing that the Division did. Um, back when it came out, I think yeah, I think that Resident Evil was in the right window for releases right. this year. Right. But anything two or three weeks after that, we're starting to get a little too close to Horizon, a little too. And even if you're not a PlayStation mm-hmm. gamer, like there's still the Switch, there's all this stuff. And Prey Two is coming out soon, I think. Right, so well, Prey comes out in May, May. yeah, April, okay. April, May. So now. yeah, yeah. But even then, Andromeda is yeah. mid March, right. And that's a huge, that's a, yeah, I mean, we get two weeks to enjoy Zelda before. Andromeda is cleared at the schedule. Uh, yeah. Anybody else? What else? What other fun um, things? Who's, 
So let's just go ahead. Who is going to be our representative for Fire Emblem Fates this week? No, sorry, not Fates. Uh, Heroes. Heroes. Yeah. Oh, we'll oh he, that, that'll be me. Oh, are because, you our rep this week? Yeah, no, because okay. Fire Emblem um, continues to be good. I've considered dropping actual money into it. Don't do it. I, I know. I am resisting the temptation, but those orbs, dude. Those orbs. I want those five-star characters and, and all that stuff. I, I really, I really want to get all those orbs. I've already completed the, the game story mode on Lunatic Difficulty. Of course you did, Will. <laughs> I'm literally like, yeah, okay. I'm I mean, playing Tales of Berseria right at the now. same time playing Fire Do not, Oh, no, we are recording a podcast. Do not open. If I see Fire Emblem open here, I will literally eat your microphone. <laughs> People at home, if you hear... <laughs> that is me eating someone's microphone. I... Like, Fire Emblem Echoes... I've been our heroes. I've been playing it's, it's really no, cool. No, Fire Emblem Echoes exclusive leak. That's the Switch version coming out. <laughs> oh, oh, right. So it's here. Okay. It's um, Fire Emblem Heroes yep. is really cool. Um, I've had some fun with it. I've it's done a great job for me of moving me over to the real Fire Emblem experience, which yeah. is Fire Emblem Fates on the 3DS. I, at least for right now, it's the game is frustrating me with the fact of the or, the orbs and like it. Whether good or bad, it does a great job of getting you, giving you that urge to pay money to get these orbs so you can try and get these yep. characters. And after a while, I was just like, you know what? Why am I doing this? Put down iPhone, pick up 3DS, Fire Emblem Fates. That's that's the real experience. I've I've been playing through that. Um, I think I'm going through that story. That game is it's Fire Emblem. If you, if, yeah, I will say again, if you like Fire Emblem Heroes and you have a 3DS. Get one of the Fire Emblem games, whether it's Awakening or one of the Fates games, Birthright or Conquest. You will love them. They expand very much on what you're already loving on the phone. They're not on the phone. Yeah, that was my thing. Like the Fire Emblem Heroes on the phone for me is enough Fire Emblem for me. Like I I started out with Fire Emblem like on the Game Boy and on the uh, DS and everything else. And so for me, it was just a lot of complex systems with that. Mm-hmm. With with Heroes, it's just like, oh, it's Fire Emblem, so I know how to do this. I just, it's uh, it's simple enough for me to The do. mechanics are Single very screen, much the same. Like, you know, you, if you're long range, if somebody's right in your face, you cannot attack them. They have to be adjacent or at least a space away. Yeah. Unless they're Takumi um, or whatever the archer is. It's Takumi, dude. He, even in, in Fates, he rolls hard. I just got him in my party. One shots every one. It does not matter. Boop, boop, you're dead. It's over. So we were all representatives for Fire Emblem's <laughs> Heroes this week. Once again. <laughs> I mean, it it's does good, its job, but, you know, don't put real money into it. Just play the story and you get orbs for completing it. But and they don't come fast enough, Will. I need the orbs that come fast patience, enough. Patience, Padawan. Patience. I have none. I'm just at a point in the story where it's like, I'll end up two of my characters are just throwaways and the other two are the ones that actually roll on shit. And it, that's kind of boring for me. Like I want to be able to have like, have that tactical advantage. Okay. My archer can go kill this guy. And then my red can go kill this guy and such and such. I got lucky. I got three, five stars and one summon. Yeah. See, it, 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 again, it was just RNG. It was like, okay, yeah, thank you. Goes down to the, they probably read your Doken battle data and said, oh, thank you for being a value member of the character collector thing. Here you go. Frequent buyer program. <laughs> I still play Doken battle. I don't doubt that for a second. Hey, man. You got to keep things moving. I got to get Golden Frieza. Yeah. 
Talk, talk about something else besides Fire Emblem. Please do. Well, <laughs> um, there was, I played Tales of Berseria. Oh, there was good. Okay, so tell us how that was. Um, do you like a story that actually starts faster than Tales of Zestaria? And hey. at the same time as a Tales game. Hey. Oh, yeah, no, I, I like Tales of Zestaria. It's fun. It's great. I enjoy the game a lot. I don't want to ruin story because I feel like everybody needs to play this. Looking at Seth, full I've, of anime listen, I've created a, I've created a, a, a four point strategy plan <laughs> to get me into Tales. I've got a, I've got a brand advocate that is, that is helping me. <laughs> that I just need to acquire a copy of the game, and then I can start. I can tell you right now, um, that strategy needs to start with you going down to your uh, local Amazon.com <laughs> and just order my favorite store in the whole wide world. In the whole world. I love just walking in the smell of being inside. Yeah. Your of the apartment. Amazon store. <laughs> Your apartment. Of my apartment as uh-huh. I eat the Cheetos. I put it, things it on my credit by. card. They have free oh, Cheetos at the Amazon I the, store? I get the points. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's called oh, Seth's yeah. Apartment. Oh, mm-hmm. I don't even... Do I have Cheetos in here? I have granola bars. Yeah. Oh. Hey, man. Bars. Granola bars are good, too. Uh, speaking of stupid decisions on Amazon, I saw, <laughs> I saw a thing come up this week that said... Collector's Edition, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, now available for pre-order on Amazon, and I have Prime, so I get the 20% off. So I was like, like, let me just look at the picture. So I looked at the picture, and I saw the the alloy statue, and I was like, alright, (laughs) I mean, I'll give it a shot. So I pre-ordered that. That's great. I can't wait for that to come out of my account, and then three days later, a Switch and Zelda to come out of my account. It's going to be great. You're going to feel great. I've just been eating raw ramen. (laughs) Just patties. Not even the water. You don't have enough water. No, I don't have. I can't afford the water. <laughs> Got to get games. No, I'm actually. I'm not doing that. But uh, yeah, I'm really excited to be able to uh, play Horizon. It's supposed to be bigger than Witcher. Really? Yeah. It's supposed to be big. Yeah. And they're and what I really here's the worst part is that the fact that it's being compared to The Witcher is like, oh okay, that's what interests me. Like, <laughs> oh okay, uh, good side quests. Um, you know, character development and building. I want to get my hands on it. I know that they've released a lot of, there are a lot of videos out there. I, I think actually this past week, um, PlayStation released the, like, I, I would say character videos of all the different monsters. Like yeah. about four of the different monsters, like the, um, the Thunderjaw and then like the alligator one, then the Stormhawk. I think that's what it's called. Um, I haven't had a chance to watch them yet, but just like, again, I don't need anything else to sell me on that game. I'm I'm excited for it. I'm ready to play it. I spent a hundred bucks. I got the statue <laughs> on the way. Hope it's good. <laughs> Hope it's good. You too, huh? I mean, just, all I can think about right now, all I can think about right now is your little robot ghost sitting in the corner. <laughs> Just the little, uh, you, little, you be uh, nice to Dinklebot, okay? The little Dinklebot sitting in the corner, and I sometimes think about what that thing must, what that thing represents. <laughs> I actually prefer Dinklebot. Dinklebot they their, wasn't. They had their pros and cons. That wizard came from the moon. Yeah. All you need is one line to, to get that you wizard came on, from the moon. On, the, on the start. Yeah, so we'll see when that game comes out. Anyways, oh, we'll talk more about that later. Yeah, the convention was the, kind of the big highlight this week. Mm-hmm. That was yeah, that yeah, was pretty fun. So, uh, anyways, you can find out all of our good stuff. Like I said, we got Creator Spotlight. 
We got Rocket Punch Cast. We got Tang and Spank, our Blizzard podcast. We got Rocket Punch Plays. New episodes about twice a week at this point. All kinds of cool stuff. We just did some cool uh, um, game jam coverage with Rocket Punch Plays. We got some new games yep. coming up. We might have even talked about some of the games that are coming up in what we played this week. Oh. So you'll have to head over to YouTube.com slash Rocket Punch Go to find out. PlayStation Indoctrination continues forward. I find every moment that I can <laughs> to throw shade. <laughs> and it's great. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Rocket Punch Live will be back at some point. We are planning. I know Rocket Punch Live, and especially the approach we're taking to it, we're going to focus that more on big games that are coming out each yeah. month. So definitely, I mean, we talked about Horizon. Expect a big, instead of one-hour gameplay, we're talking big, meaty, like three to four to five-hour gameplay sessions. I mean, that's sessions. a C-tier release for us this year, though. I don't, Hor- think, we're, I don't think we're investing a lot Horizon? of Horizon? Rocket Punch resources into <laughs> Horizon Zero Dawn. Wait, what? Unplug every microphone in here <laughs> and burn this. Burn it to the ground. <laughs> I need you to find some cooking oil and pour that on your carpet because yeah. I will ignite it for you. <laughs> oh, I was like, wait a second. Does that do a thing? But no, it's just flammable. Okay. So I, I definitely say if you're um, excited for, if you like Rocket Punch Live, you like Twitch, um, if you like YouTube Live, uh, definitely be on the lookout for... Um, that just that week, just get ready. More deets coming, yep, very soon. Uh, also, Anime Book Club for this month has been announced. It is Mob Psycho 100. Yes, get over to Crunchyroll, start your subscription pro, uh, trial, whatever the hell you need to do to get it. <laughs> uh, definitely don't steal it, please don't steal anime. That really no. sucks. Um, but go to Crunchyroll, watch it. We're going to be talking about it, I believe it's the 23rd, correct, at 7 p.m. Central Time. Uh, and your best bet this year or this month is going to be rocketpunchgo.com. We will have a top level banner. We're actually streaming on the site and we'll have an embed there. So Excellent. Um, check that out, but go ahead and get started now. It's not that long. You can probably finish it in a week or two, Yeah. but you want to finish it before because that's going to be full story, spoilers, discussions, everything yep. full discussion. So let's talk about video games and the microphones. Which we've been doing already. I mean, let's be real. This right. started off with, what do we even begin with? Rut row. Something. Stuff and things. Stuff and things. Carl. Stuff. <laughs> Carl. Uh, okay, big news this week about E3 specifically. E3 is back to being open to the public. Woo! What? What? <laughs> what? What? Um, this was a big announcement. I think it took a lot of people... By su- it took some people by surprise, like it, for them to just come out and say it so bluntly, like, "Hey, we're open to the public. You can come in now." Um, they're if- they're allowing fifteen thousand tickets are going to be available. Okay, yeah, um, so it's not everyone, but just the first fifteen thousand are going to be yeah yeah able to come. So that's a change for the traditionally press event. What do we think about this? Uh, I think it just speaks to the the lack of relevancy that E3 is having nowadays. Whoa! Chaz throwing some shade over yeah, there. I, I, I gotta say it. With Nintendo, Why is it not relevant? Well, with Nintendo pulling out and doing their own like Nintendo Direct style things, and a lot of companies are having influencers and everyone else taking early looks at their games, and you have things like, you know, Bethesda coming out saying, oh, we're we're going to go ahead and not give our games out to reviewers. We're just going to go ahead and do the influencers and everything else like that. Um, they realize that they don't need a giant press event to get their message across. They don't need someone to stand up in a suit to a whole bunch of journalists who have sworn uh, not to get excited about stuff to 
to get to speak to the audience that they're trying to get to. They don't need E3 anymore. So, but but now man. they're taking E3 and they're giving it back to you. Oh yes, the people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad somebody did that. Um, yeah, it's. I feel like E3. Oh, you left the part out. Also, when right. you're talking about demoing games, you got to yeah. have the people come on stage and pretend to be super into the game. Like, right. yeah, 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 we're gonna move out in Phoenix formation. Yeah, yeah. Like, people don't play games like no. that. <laughs> Please don't. That's just. But what was the the Ghost, Ghost Recon, the Ghost Recon one? Like, yeah. hey guys, I'm gonna go get in the chopper. Like, what are you even doing? Just, I'm, I'm getting in the chopper, guys. <laughs> just want to pinch them out. <laughs> No, there are times when that's acceptable. Um, there's this video circulating social media right now of this one Overwatch player mm-hmm. who's literally like sports announcing his plays, and it is phenomenal. That's good. good. And some things like that. that, yes, please. But I, I don't want fake excitement. I don't. As far as E3 being available to the public, it's cool. I know me, probably a lot, everyone at the table. People all over the world are really excited. Like, it's probably going to E3 has probably been a one thing on a gamer's bucket list. Like, oh man, I got to go to E3. It in 2017 now, I'm, I'm kind of torn. Like, I would love to go. And I mean, by the time this goes live, the first batch of tickets, if there are going to be multiple batches, the tickets would have gone live. So, anyone who wanted to go, they'll probably be sold out. Let's be honest. All right. Um, so if you got a ticket, congratulations. I just don't know if if I want if I really want to go or if I'm comfortable <laughs> staying at home and having that experience at home. You know, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna request all for the days that they have the the um, presentations and sit down and like, oh my god, what's gonna go? What's gonna happen? What are they gonna announce next? And I have that because if I have a strong internet connection, then hey, everything's great. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, and we've heard un- other industry professionals talk about. It's so crazy and so congested there. And it like, of course, for them, though, they're literally bouncing to booth to booth trying to get information on this game mm-hmm. so they can capture it on video and write an article so they can put it on the site in a timely fashion for us at home anyway. Um, like, concerns I have with this is how, the, um, how this will affect the professionals, especially, like, I think Gamescom... Or one other convention does a like it's Gamescom. The You're first right. day or two You're is right. a media only day, and then they have like a day or two that's open to the public. And I think they're still doing that this year. Mm-hmm. They're still doing the media day. Okay, they're just making one of the days open for those individuals. Oh, well, according to their site, it's, it's June thirteenth through fifteenth. It is open. Days. Oh, it's open for everybody. Yeah. And it, I didn't see a specific media day for E three, and so I'm Ooh. curious if that's going to. Hurt because you're going to have these 15,000 extra people that are just there to try and play the play the game. And that's good for the um, vendors that are there to get like real life, uh, true to life gamers, not necessarily industry professionals or influencers yeah. to play their game and get input. But for the people that don't go, the millions that watch that don't go, those me- those industry professionals are their outlet. You know, if you go to yeah. IGN, if you go to Polygon. You go to Rocket Punch. Um, you 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 are looking for that input for like what do you guys think? And you know, for people that are there, you know, we've I, I know I've heard stories on IGN from a lot of the people over there about how hard it can be sometimes. They have to wait in these lines just to cover this game and try and get 
the capture of the game so they can get it over to IGN and cut it and post it on the website yeah. before it's become irrelevant and everybody's talking about the next thing. I mean, it, it's, I, I, I'm curious how that's going to affect them. But I mean, a lot of it um, comes from, if you're a media professional, I mean, you're already talking to the PR, you know, teams for all these different companies and you're already probably scheduling. I mean, if you're, if you're, you know, scheduling for E3 right now, you're already scheduling behind closed door meetings for games that have been announced or unreleased or anything like that. So, I mean, I think when it comes to just getting that, you know, man on the street, uh, I'm I'm taking a look at this demo for Barbie Horse Adventures three, you know. Um, get the bleach now, thank you. <laughs> Coming to Switch, <laughs> launch title, right? Uh, they like they wouldn't be on the show floor trying to get you know footage of that. They would be in whatever behind closed door meeting they well, would be. With, that's what's know, interesting because whatever. like I know that those professionals, some right. of them are chosen to actually go and be like right. E3 judges ahead of time. Right. So some of them see some of the shows. They don't actually see the whole show. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. the presentations, they'll still hold like a few games that are big surprises back. Mm-hmm. But as far as like getting game capture, like of like gameplays and demos on the floor, those guys still have to go through the booth. Like, Hey, we're playing such and such and get whatever game capture and footage they can. Yeah. And that's a pain in the butt if you've got, okay, now I've got to wait two extra hours because now we just have Joe Schmo and his family coming down. To well, I think they're I think they're going to do a good job of differentiating that. Like, I feel like the, that press will be... Prioritized? Pre- well, they'll be... Right. Yeah, prioritized yeah. may be the word. I, I, think, I think Gamescom does it best where it's like one or two days is media, two yeah. other days is public. I This is weird. This is weird. This is a weird thing for E3 to do. E3 is a way more like we all think of E3 as the time that video game announcements happen. And that's true, but it's also a very important industry event where a lot of people come together and a lot of deals get made at E3, like games that will be announced two or three years from now. The deals are cut at E3 because everyone's in town and they say, Hey, let's go over here to this private meeting room and sit down and say, okay, well let's work on uh telltale games with Marvel, right? Like that's like that deal was probably cut at an E3 and then announced, you know, announced you, later. You, you got to think about all the money that's spent at E3 just to get a booth like in the E3 space just to like, I remember watching the um, Halo five, like the sprint. Yep. And they talked about making the demo. Like they, the people that are working on that game were taking time specifically off of the game to yep. make a vertical slice demo yep. for E3. You'll never play it. It's just for that. Five minutes that it's shown on the screen, yep, just to show the game off and like think of the time, like it was weeks, man hours, yeah, that they spent just making that vertical yeah. slice. And it's like there's a, I think there's a, there's like a passion part where a lot of people say like, well, E three needs to die. Like people are like, oh, E three's dumb, like it's irrelevant because like it is, it's weird that EA and Activision have basically pulled out of E three, yeah. but yet it's still like, I mean, we're gonna hear about Scorpio, we're gonna hear about whatever the probably Splatoon two. And and they'll, I think you said Nintendo does their own directs, yeah, but they're still them. there with Treehouse, right? And, or they'll do like a War- Smash Worlds or something. And Sony's like going to announce more games that won't come out until 2022, so that's fine. But um, <laughs> the Final Fantasy VII remake, yeah. yeah I'm sorry, great, what was that? Scalebound, what? Great PlayStation. Oh. Hey, at least we cancel our games. <laughs> <laughs> Just announce them five years in advance and then never talk about. Anyway, we're not are, we're not starting this now. We're not starting this now. <laughs> Um, the it's E3 is in a weird spot. And I think that E3 has been in a weird spot for a long time 
because we want to get coverage of the new games that are getting announced, right? Mm-hmm. Right. It's interesting that influencers come up here because influencers are great because I can pay them money and they can say what I want them to say versus media who will sit down and give you a raw, like, interpretation of it, right? And not all, you know, like like your IGNs and polygons may not be 100% unbiased. Like, if I sit down, like, if you're a fan of Tales, right, and you sit down right. to play a Tales-esque game, you're not going to say many, like, you may say some critical things about it, but for the most part, you're going to be pretty positive versus another person. So, like, there's there's weird inconsistencies across the board because depending on who talks to who, mm-hmm. you never know what you're going to get, right? The Weird part about this is that what does allowing all of these people in do for the show? Like, like, is this a, like generates revenue, but yeah, but like what is allowing 15,000 civilians mm-hmm. into a video games media show do for the media? It prevents for the media. Well, it like for the people who are like, let's be real. These 15,000 people are probably going to buy the games regardless. So like, it for me if I have a game I want to get it in influencers' hands first and maybe some media if they get to make it by but like things are shifting to influencers because again I can pay them to say what I want so the the fact is is that like you know it's way more important for me to get a YouTuber in my pocket and get them to say think positive things about my game than to let I don't know but I don't know it's just kind of weird like it's just E3 has an, been in an identity crisis for like mm-hmm. four years I feel. And they keep swinging back between, like, this is a media-only event. This is a a consumer. Because remember, they canceled it one year. Yep. They were just like, E3's done. And they're like, well, okay. And then they came back next year and like, oh, it's media-only this time. And now they're, like, swinging back to making it a huge yeah. event. It's just weird. It's weird. I think it properly differentiates between who is public and who's media. Because there was a lot of... Um, there's been a lot of stories where people will come out and they'll say, oh, before E3, they just made a web blog, uh, uh, them talking about video games and then, um, petitioned to the ESA or the electronic, uh, whatever, uh, they're the people who do E3, um, and said, oh, I'm a video game website. And they're like, all right, here's a press kit. Here's like press tickets. We'll see you at E3. And so then you have a whole bunch of people who show up who are just there to play the, the games. They're not really there to, to be media. They're not there to we cover. only there when that was going on. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I think this whole ticket thing is to bypass those people, you know, just to be like, oh, you know, instead of making your your your, your fake blog, um, just just buy the ticket and just come I, instead. I, I, oh, I think it's for two reasons. Uh, number one is to get, kind of help build E3 back up, at least from its perception of its going away or it's failing or it's not doing great and getting the people back in there. Um, maybe they found a way to handle that load than from years past. Um, I think one of the other reasons is to allow it'll, it will allow the vendors that are there again, like I said earlier, a chance for unbiased, just normal people to come and play their game and see what, like, what do you like about the game? What do you not like about the game? What felt right? What didn't yeah. feel right? Um, that sort of thing there. But I think that like, I think E3 needs an overhaul just overall just needs to be changed. Like I love the game. I love Gamescom's approach, like two days for media and then yeah. two days for public. That gives the media enough time. So if you can't, if you didn't get tickets to go, you can still watch the media coverage. But if you did get tickets to go, guess what? You get to play the games that they yeah. were talking about. I, I think I agree with you on that in that it's because the people at home care about the media days because mm-hmm. that's when they get the coverage. Mm-hmm. 
everyone locally cares about the. And then if it's media only, all your, you know, basically if you're in the media, you know, everybody that you're going to run into, the yeah. lines are going to be shorter. You have more time to kind of, you're not, they're not pulling their hair out, hair out, rushing around, trying to get these videos up online for people at home um, because they're fighting crowds and whatnot. Yeah. Or doing another possible thing where they're getting people in line ahead of time before all these announcements just to get them ready to go play this game. Yeah. I mean, really, if... So, sorry, go ahead. Just remember, Mario, Throne of Bones, <laughs> it ends with everyone having their own live stream. Like, <laughs> that's how E3 ends. Like, E3 will still exist as a as a networking event. But it's... I, I would love... I'll say what you want about Nintendo and their Nintendo Directs. I don't think it wouldn't... It would be a bad idea if the media days were literally like instead of these companies, I say wasting, but like spending all this extra money for this huge stage and these huge projectors and people trying to make these demos, having like to play on stage, do something very much like everyone has a Nintendo Direct. The PlayStation Direct will come out at this time. The Microsoft Direct comes out this time. EA. Which is kind of what they do now, but it's the and, press conference. And they're just videos. And then just have basically go. The, the stage is now just a huge, like a bunch of huge ass fucking TVs. Oh, they're not going to do that. And no. sitting in there and just play what. what Phil what, Spencer wants his car to come down from the ceiling. Okay. <laughs> it's, there's no way you can capture that on video. The, the other thing is, is that a lot like E3, like you said, it's an industry event. A lot of the developers who do make these games, who make these pitches for E3, use this as sort of a test bed for trying to build morale for their team. So say, for instance, you are, you know, a um, guy in graphic design, and you've told the development team, hey, the artistic direction you're taking for this game looks crap. I mean, or, or looks awesome. I, I, you guys need to figure out how to do it. So, oh, no, we'll show it to the public. We'll see how they say it. And then the public gives you that reaction like, hey, guys, your game looks like this. And then now they can go back to the development team and say, hey, look, see, all these people who played our game, this is what they say about it right now. So here's how we can change this before the release date or if we need to delay the game or something like that. They use it as sort of that feedback center. I purely think them opening it up to the public is for extra profit. Yeah, I was about to say, actually, let's just be real here. They're, They're trying just... to fill the gap that EA and Activision's move probably $3 million to get. Like, those two together is probably yeah, about so what like, they This is a money game, and it's always a money game, no matter what we so think me, it is. Let me pull my calculator out while we're talking about this. Crunch, so those, crunch those numbers for us. How, how much are the tickets? Um, on the two fifty. On the 13th, it is the early bird is $150. All right. And with um, 15,000 tickets available... That's roughly two point two five million dollars. Yep, there the you cost go. Of activation. Uh, it, this is, <laughs> this is they're a not money there. Game. They're not there. Like they are gone. Like the two probably biggest publishers. They're the world's largest publishers. Yeah, they're they're out of there. They're having Ubisoft is a close third, but right. EA's having their press conference yeah. away from the center. Like it's, it's just, but the, the, logistically, it's going to be hard. Do people really want to see Ubisoft on stage doing a Just Dance? I want to see Aisha Tyler. Okay, I want to see Aisha Tyler. Tyler. Okay, because, I'll give you that one because that's that the one. only reason why I watch that. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you guys. At this point, I don't know if I really want to watch E3 this year. Bitch. We'll talk after the podcast. I'm just saying, like. Rocket Punch will be covering you through this year. <laughs> I'm not well, saying we won't be covering it. I'm just saying like I don't I don't feel hyped for it. I don't feel like it's in, like as important as it used to be for me. 
That's because it's February. No, it's February. <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> saying as a gamer, I don't feel like that's as important for me. Yeah. Now, Seth was right. That is a big time for all the publishers to get Listen, together and the developers and cut the deals. I need to see when Phil Spencer comes on the stage with the motherfucking Scorpio <laughs> laser beam shoot out of his eyes. He says, check it out. This is the future. He pulls it off his fucking PC tower. Interchangeable parts. That's what I'm talking about, baby. He's like, what's a PS4 Pro? 4K don't even know, baby. That's what I want. That's what I want. Gonna get, and then he's going to be like, "What? you know what? This is a this is a landmark new moment for uh, for Xbox. And what better way to launch the landmark moment than with a classic game franchise? Lights fade. Oh. <laughs> Boom. Halo 6, baby. Launch title for the Scorpio coming this summer. What you got? <laughs> Come at me, Sony. Come at me. You got robot dinos. Shit, that shit's nine months old. Get out of here. I'd make a baby in that time. I mean, they have God of War, and then they have the Crash Bandicoot I already played Uncharted then, uh... 4. <laughs> I'm done with it. I'm going to tell you right now, if I had to choose between Halo 6 and Halo's current trajectory, or God of War with Norse mythology, I'm going Norse mythology. Hey. And I bought an Xbox oh, you want One Norse just Ma- for Halo. You want Halo Norse mythology? Boom, out. I got you. Milnir armor. Check. That's Mjolnir. all I can think of right now. <laughs> First off, it's Mjolnir. Mjolnir. What did I say? Mjolnir? Yeah. Mjolnir. And uh, second of all... <laughs> Sorry, I got a one inclination wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, let's be real. Like, the Ghost of Sparta versus the Master Chief. Listen. I think there was a... Six TV series teraflops of processing power. Six teraflops. Seth, Seth that does not, all of that does not equal one NVIDIA 1080. Six teraflops. Half the people don't even know what a teraflop is. Doesn't matter. So. It's got six of them. <laughs> but it, I'm I'm interested to see. I'm sure the tickets are going to be sold out by the time people listen to this. Um, I'm interested to see how E3 coach. shakes out this year and what how people feel with them with the industry professionals basically side by side with over fifteen thousand. We'll see. Normal people. I'll tell you what people don't feel good about mm. being lied to. Oh. No one likes is to be this, lied Is to. this another No Man's Sky rant? Well, no. No, 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 but it does involve Seth getting triggered. <laughs> okay, look, okay. There's... So there was a great report from Jason Schreier. Uh, verify... It, Cameron it eagerly verifies the facts for me. I believe this is correct. From Kotaku. Um, correct. On GameStop and their Circle of Life program. Correct, yes. Okay, yes. Gotcha. And, uh... Speaking uh, of people who make deals at E3... Ooh. Oh. oh man, <laughs> where'd all the shade come from, buddy? Dude, blotting the sun out. Oh my god, <laughs> then we He's shall it. fight in the shade, eating the sun, man. The uh, he re- did a really great write up over on Kotaku about um, the Circle of Life program. You probably saw this circulating about a week ago. Um, this is a pretty like half of this news article was like, in other news, water is wet because surprise, like. GameStop wants to sell used things. Right. Um, but the the spin on the article was kind of some of the less than savory tactics that some of these I, people I, may I'm, use. I'm summing through this article just to get the points out. The yeah. circle of life, uh, apparently each GameStop store, different percentage quotas are rated based on pre-orders, reward card subscriptions, used game sales, and game trade-ins. And in each, each of, uh, I'm just going to read these. This paragraph. Each of these quotas is based on the store's total transactions. Pre-orders and reward card subscriptions are based on the number of transactions, while used game sales and trade-ins are based on the total dollar value. If a store's quota for used game sales is 30% and the store sells $1,000 worth of merchandise, 
GameStop is expects at least three hundred dollars of that merchandise to be pre owned. Yeah, so this is basically and their quota system. It goes on and on. Yeah, I, but, but everybody everybody in every job has quotas and numbers to look. Why is this like so so bad? Well this the spin on this one was people are lying about it. And and I think one of the best like in this article, one of the best sentences is talking about if I go in and I buy a game brand new, right? I don't renew a pro subscription and I don't get the warranty on the disc, I negatively affect all four yeah. metrics. So I'll read the sentence for you. Yes, I'm looking thank at, you. If so, if someone walks into GameStop and picks up, say, a brand new copy of Yakuza Zero without one pre-ordering another game, two subscribing for a new rewards card, three buying a used game, or four trading in some games to help pay for it, then the transit then the transaction will knock down all four percentages. Yeah, hmm. and I feel like when your primary like activity that you are doing like the main thing that your business is built on is sell of new games like i understand that sell of used games is important to your business but you'll never sell more used games than new games like like horizon is going to come out and make it impossible for you like everyone's going to buy that new there's hundreds of people at the midnight i'm sure there are going to be used versions of that game there will but like later yeah yeah it's going to be later and it'll be over a long period of time but like to think that to th- to think that going in to just buy a game and not deal with any of their retail bullshit as hurting that employee and all four metrics that they're measured on kind of sucks. I like I'll make sure we'll make sure that this article is posted in the show notes because yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, skim- I'm skimming through it. Some of this stuff makes me like one of the things that very much makes me a little upset is the fact of employees will purposefully sell you a used copy of the game. Like if they don't have a used version of that game, they will tell you that it's out of stock. Yeah, even though they might have brand new versions mm-hmm. of the game in stock. Oh no, it's out of stock. And that's I think that's an isolated thing. Like GameStop would never encourage that, mm-hmm. but they foster a culture of that is ripe for that type yeah, of they, behavior. They have a quote from uh, he got a quote from an employee that they didn't want to be named from GameStop. We are quote we are telling people we don't have new systems in stock, so we won't take a three hundred or four hundred dollar hit on our pre owned numbers. Like how, like how scummy is that? Because that was re- that was revenue driven. So yep. if you sell new product, that full four hundred dollars just doesn't make sense. Because well, then, if you're not selling the new product, then how is it ever going to be used? Oh, easy. Walmart, Target, Amazon, Best Buy, and any other retailer out there will gladly sell you a new copy, and they expect you to eventually trade it in, or you know that's how they'll obtain it. Mm. So so this is a very impassioning discussion that we can have, right? And, and right. we can argue the goods and bads of, of GameStop and literally until this planet stops spinning and becomes a charred mess of nothingness. Uh, and then guardians rise up to rebuild society and <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what I want to know, and this is, this boy is this, this question is the shit factory located next to the fan factory, which has a fireworks factory on the other side of that shit factory. And someone is taking their smoke break outside of the fireworks. factory. (laughs) Like this is that question because the answer to this question is there will never be a day. We don't need them, but dear God, how much longer do we have to put up with GameStop? Like how much longer do we have to put up with retail stores as our mediums for video game consumption? Because it is, we're now getting to the point where I feel like 
Like before it felt empowering to go into a GameStop because you're like, man, this place was made for gamers. This is the gamer haven. Like I can come here and talk games with people. And now if you go into a GameStop and you, and you breathe a word about the game you're excited about, oh dude, you should go ahead and lock it in. Go to go, go ahead and lock in the pre-order. That way you can make sure that we got a copy for you when it comes out. Dude, let me promise you something. Seth Turner promises you this now. If you want a copy of Horizon Zero Dawn the day it comes out, you'll be able to purchase a copy of Horizon Zero Dawn the day it comes out. You don't have to pre-order it. Now I Sony pre-ordered it. Make sure I pre-ordered it for the statue. And if you're a collector's edition junkie, whole different set of rules. Like, yes, you need to lock things in early. Three out of yeah. four people at this table have pre-ordered the collector's edition. Yes. So yeah. Horizon is maybe a bad example, but if you're looking at things that like games that are coming up that you want to buy, you do not let them feed you bullshit. The general rule of thumb is most things that would come out of a GameStop's employee's mouth is probably a lie or a very shifty version of the truth. You know the facts because you, like... As much as I, I hate to agree with you on a lot of that, there are very few instances where they're genuinely good people employees. And I don't mean that all GameStop employees are bad. I'm not saying However, that. However, it seems more often than not when I go into a GameStop, unless I am like a personal friend with that person... I get a load of crap. And I, I don't I don't necessarily feel like those employees are bad. I think it's more so of just like, and we've all been in that job mm-hmm. where it's not necessarily them. It's the fact of the corporate manager. Like, They're set up for you, failure. You better oh. make sure you hit your quotas or you're going to be fired and you're not going to have a job anymore. And, and so I, they're kind of, now I have to ask this person, hey, you're looking, you're looking forward to getting Horizon Zero Dawn? Go ahead and pre-order it now. Do you have any extra games that you want to go ahead and trade in for that? We've got 20% extra trading credit. Make sure you each pay $15 for your rewards power-up card so you can have that ready so you can get the extra 10% trading credit on all your used games that I'm done. I'm gonna, yeah, I, it I see, it <laughs> makes me... It, what makes me really sad about this is like I have a script that I have to run through when I go shop at GameStop. Right. Like I go up there and they're like, do you have a power up reward card? I'm like, yes, it's not a pro membership. It's a regular membership and I'm not interested in upgrading with my points. Like I have to say that because mm-hmm. I know their script. Mm-hmm. They say, oh, you have enough points to upgrade your membership. Do you want to do that now? Nope. I don't want to because I don't buy pre-owned games here. Like I don't buy pre-owned games right. rarely ever with, unless right. I am just absolutely feeling the need to save $2. But it's just one of those things where I, I bought, like I see, I see, I know it's not an ignorant thing. Like I'm not ignorant to how important retail is to video game sales. Like I know that they need GameStop to sell call of duties. They need GameStop to sell horizons. They need that. But do they really? And, And the reason why is all the people that get psyched about that game can go into your Walmarts, your targets, your best buys, your amazon.coms or any other website that sells these games or hell right from Sony or Xbox. So do we really need a GameStop? I think like some of the alternative, like alternatives thinking about it, like Amazon and Best Buy, they have their membership programs where you pay a yearly fee and Mm -hmm. you'll get, you get 20% off new games. I mean, if, if you're like most people and you have an Amazon Prime membership, then all new games, if it's on Amazon.com, instead of 60 bucks, you're getting it for $47.99. There, well, there's a lot of moving parts there. Some people don't... And what's weird is this boils down to preference. Mm-hmm. Right. Some people are buying the games. They're not the gamer, right? Like, right. I would say that any gamer under the age of 13 probably isn't buying their own games. True. Mm-hmm. So the parents are having to go buy those games either for or with them. 
So they need that help. Like they need that help. And that's and, where and mm-hmm. Walmart will not. So like that is like, if you think that GameStop's cornerstone is built off of like super nerds coming in, like, yes, sure. that's a big part, but it's also, I would say f- at least 50% of their business is for non-gaming. Well, think about how many times you've been in a GameStop and when you're looking for games, you see the mom or, and or dad come in with the children and they're like, son, what are you, dad, I want this game. Like, and you know, is this game okay? Well, this is rated M, all that yeah. other stuff. I will definitely say I applaud GameStop for, I think it needs to be enforced a little better, the um, ESRB rating system. Yeah. Like, immature games and T-rated games. If not, like, enforcing, like, they can't buy this, but when that parent comes in with that kid, like, now, sir, you understand this game is rated M for mature. Let me flip it over on the yeah. side. It's rated M for violence, nudity, stuff like that. So they're better informed because there are, like you said, there are those people that come in that do not know. They just like yeah. Call of Duty for twelve year old Jimmy. Sure, yeah. And then that GameStop employee ruins that child's life because now they can't play the games <laughs> that they actually want to play, and they get to play fucking Barbie Horse Horse Land Three. <laughs> um, I'm gonna Coming go quote South Park: Hello Kitty Island Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but but here's here's my my thing. This is, I disagree in terms of we do still need GameStop, and here's why. GameStop is for older people, right? I wouldn't say older people. No, no, no. no. For people who are still worried about stock prices, people who are worried about the, um, the physical movement of physical copies of games, GameStop plays an important role in terms of investors. Right. If I'm EA, I'm going to be talking about the number of units shipped because to a person who looks at stocks, buys stocks, who who is investing in companies, they're thinking of things in the physical realm. They're not when you try and tell them about digital downloads and everything else like that. It doesn't make sense to an investor. Like like it, it, right now, the digital. We can have a conversation about that after this, but right, like right. the digital realm is the not di- quite there yet. I'm right. going to have to disagree with you on that because the digital. Digital numbers don't matter to GameStop, but I can, like, digital numbers are not shared. Mm-hmm. Right. And, but I can promise you that Microsoft walks into it. They walk they're, in with their investors and, and they share that. If they say right. three million copies sold, you can bet that digital copies are wrapped up into that number yeah. in some right. form or fashion. But, I'm, yeah. but my yeah. whole thing is that there's a lot of. There's a lot of old practices within the gaming industry that depend on GameStop to function. Um, the other thing is, like you were saying, you know, when people, non-gamers come into GameStop, they're being told, hey, here's how these games go and everything else. And and as a parent myself, I don't like when someone comes up to me and they say, you know, you're buying Doom for your 13-year-old, right? I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, I understand what my kid can and cannot handle. This is cool. Well, sir, just want to listen. Yep. I'm still going to go ahead and purchase this for little Jimmy because yeah. that's what I'm going to do. I still think it may be annoying to us as gamers. Right, right. I still think that's relevant that's just to at least go ahead and say, not necessarily say you shouldn't buy this game, but just like, please understand. Right. <laughs> please understand. <laughs> like this game is rated, like it's rated in. Right, Here right, are right. the reasons why you understand that. Great. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to shut yeah. my mouth. And then, and then you have the grandmothers who come in and say, little Timmy wants to buy, uh, this army shooter game. And they're like, Oh, well we have these copies of sniper elite three. How about you just purchase this? Oh, he loves snipers. He likes being, and then that's where you get the situation where, Oh mom, you got me call of duty. Sniper Elite Three. I don't think that's. I don't think that's a widespread <laughs> issue at all. Like that's the the, the w- w- what I want us to focus on with right. with talking about GameStop is specifically 
where they are like I my personal belief is that GameStop is they are desperate. They are desperate. That's why they bought ThinkGeek. That's why half of a GameStop is now video game shit. Like, oh, just like junk. I actually, stuff, right? I actually want to talk about that. Just jumping on that. Yes. I think that... I think that GameStop... I think we still need GameStop. I'm right. kind of with Chaz on this, but on a different flip. I think it... It needs, it, it needs to be a different... It needs to change. Like, the current GameStop, it's not its final, final form. It needs to be, <laughs> it, but it like it is. It's like it's final because what you're talking about, like what you, I, I see where you're going. Like yeah. you are, you are going with GameStop should be the gamer's paradise. Like well, not, it should be not. the place that that a gamer should feel welcome to go to. The biggest problem, and I think that this is re- like the core of it. Like the core of GameStop is rotten, and that causes the external to just rot beneath. Where it's like these employees are not very well supported. The turnover is very high. They let a lot of employees go because they don't meet these metrics. Well, and I think that the, like you kind of saw where I was going with that yeah. was just the fact of like having that GameStop as more of a just I say haven for gamers, but gamers and geeks alike. Where you kind of I see where they purchasing the Think Geek, where you kind of you said yeah. half the stores now like geek merchandise that's cool i you know i mean necessarily as a geek i I may want to go ahead and get that at the store rather than wait three to five days ordering this yeah pokemon rowlet collector's edition jacket at you know online i get to get it in gamestop um or my um last guardian t-shirt that has a little treat on yeah cool um but I want to like i i would like them to see that but i think where the kind of rotten part and we're I think really GameStop has put itself kind of how they got there is there the investors and the people at the top saw the used game market and they abused it and they said, Oh no, we're making like for people who do not know when you buy a brand new game, you know, GameStop gets a small cut, but all that, all the money goes back to the developer and the publishers so they can distribute it amongst the people who made the game. Yep. At least it gets it back into their hands and the developers so they can continue making great games. When you purchase a used game, that is 100% GameStop profit. Except for yep. whatever they paid out on the trade-in, which is usually pennies on the dollar. Exactly. Well, and what's great is like once you finish, once you finish the used game, bring it back, trade it back in, then they get to double dip and triple dip. On that single disc comes back multiple times and they're getting to... And that's and I think that the the people who didn't the people up top who do not know games in the gamer culture saw that as like oh that's a way to make oodles of cash let's continue to press that button and it's gotten to the point now where it's like scare tactics and things we talked about earlier where it's just like hey come on just just give us your games and we'll give you this brand new game then you'll bring it back and we'll get more money after reading that article I don't know if you remember last year in 2016 there was a week it was. Shortly after Doom came out, but it was a couple months, but like Doom went down to 20 bucks. Yep. It was 20 bucks new, but the used price didn't come down. It was still 55 bucks used. I remember going to GameStop to get it, and I remember the person telling me they were sold out. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, were they really sold were out? Were they really sold out? Or was that person padding their numbers? And then there's another thing that GameStop does that really annoys me. Their last new copy, they slice it open and they put it on a freaking shelf. Oh, yeah, I've had that happen. I, they give me, like, an open game, 
And now and, like, it's the new game. I'm like, no, it's not. No, the minute you break the cellophane, that's not a new game anymore. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And but you're still charging new game prices, and I find that a scummy practice I, in and of itself. Like I was, I was speaking on that, Seth. What you were talking about? I was trying yeah. to find Fire Emblem Awakening. Yep. It's it's thirty nine ninety nine new. Oh God. Okay, it's a Fire Emblem game, and it's well, a Nintendo game. Yeah, Nintendo games are evergreen. They yeah. don't ever go down in price. The used price is $45 used. What? When you can hop on the eShop and download it for $40. But, it, but and, and honestly, I feel like, I at this point, like I said, I've, everything we've talked about are trends with physical copies of the discs which are fine and i feel like physical copies have always been the better option in a lot of ways they've they get cheaper faster you know they go on sale faster than digital copies do they are uh, yeah no i mean doom was 20 bucks and doom still had like it took months after that for oh, them to oh, get digital 20 uh, this is gonna break us off to a different conversation. i to some degree maybe disagree it depends on the game and the publisher because i have seen it some might, games but that... for like as a general rule of thumb like i can go like right now i can go to amazon and buy a physical copy of resident evil 7 for 47.99 if i want to buy it digitally it's 59.99 yeah there are like a lot of factors of in that yeah. yeah so the 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 weird part for me about all of this is i've reached the point where i think that physical copies of games are now holding back the games medium as a whole like we're we're grasping so hard to something that is so far gone as far as... Because, re- like, when you buy... Like, we've been over this multiple times. There's no such thing as buying a game off the shelf and putting it in and playing. Yeah. Every game has a day one patch. Most of those patches are to finish the game. Like, honestly, like, if I, if I remember Quantum Break, like, that game had, like, a... a, a, a what was it? Four to six gig patch oh. on day one, and that really? was... Yeah, and that was, like, if you didn't... If you didn't play with a patch, it ran at like 22 frames a second. Yeah, it was rough. If you played it with the patch, it was 30 frames. It's like they, you could tell they finished the game after the game One had goal. been put on the disc. Oh, so yeah. like at, we have to reach a certain point where, and I know that internet availability is not, is not consistent across the board. I know As that. As he looks at me. <laughs> well, and I know that like just in general, like there are a lot of factors to, to play in there, mm-hmm. but they're re- like the actual real thing is like, I think that you should be able to buy a game on a physical copy, just like I can go buy a vinyl record, but it should not be a better way to buy a game. Like buying a vinyl is not a better way to listen to a new album. That is entirely debatable. That's debatable. Generally higher quality. Yeah. uh, Okay. But but what I'm saying is that like in video games, that doesn't matter. A disc game is no higher or less quality than a digital game. Correct. Uh, Because they're, but what I'm saying is that the same, the same album will be six 99 on a digital service or nine 99 a month on a streaming service. And then the vinyl will be 20 to $25. That's, that's what I mean. Like if you want to buy physical, that's fine, but you're going to pay the cost of getting that physical disc to the shelf. And in the format that you and choose. I think to some extent, because like with games, they're going to be priced the same physically or digitally, but they're, they're going to be priced the same physically or digitally, but the developers, they're going to make more money off that digital game because they're not yes. having to pay for printing the game on the disc and putting the packaging yeah. together and then shipping it out. None of that goes into the digital version. It's just, oh, same price, more profit. But there's still yeah. cost for servers, like for server infrastructure and for... And um, you want to you know what covers that, though? Mm. Your PlayStation Plus, your Xbox Live. Yeah, well, there's... That's... Yeah. 
you're, uh, I'm saying there's still there's still some there's still a cost associated with a digital game. There, there's like, a cost, but it's nowhere near as much as paying for the truck's gas or yeah. the packaging and the art and printing it onto a disc. The retail space and, and retail space and all that stuff is getting to the store as it is as server space. Okay, you need to make sure that we in this one location right. you have. 60 gigs to hold this game and make sure you have all the connections you need for everybody yeah. to download the game. Because what what will happen if we have... This happens a lot with games. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, it's almost like a weird pseudo-price war mm-hmm. will, will erupt with retailers. Like, what GameStop marks Doom down to 20 bucks. Without fail, Amazon marks it down to 20 bucks within the hour. Like, mm-hmm. always. Right? Never happens with digital games. Unless the publisher makes it a you know Ubisoft publisher sale, and then basically the sales are consistent across the board. What if there was the option for someone to to do that? Like, what if what if there was an option for someone to initiate price wars? Like, we haven't seen price wars in a long time. Like, I think right now consoles are in price wars, and I can go buy a console for two hundred fifty bucks and get three games with it. Now is the best time and cheapest time to buy video games for sure. Yep. Like, yeah. and so it's like, why isn't that carried over to normal games yet like why why isn't why isn't someone empowered to like let's say ubisoft comes out and says you know what we're gonna make the division two but it's gonna be 50 bucks and then it comes out the you know around the same time as i don't know another squad shooter like that right and it's like now that game's charging 60 bucks versus mm-hmm. 50 bucks and we know which you, one's gonna you could almost out. look at to some extent, you can look at Overwatch and Battleborn in that sense yeah um, the base pc game was 40 dollars yeah. as opposed to 60 for Battleborn. Now, granted, most people bought the Origins Edition, but even then, it's like, well, the base game is 40 but if you pay the same price as Battleborn, you get all these extra skins and all this extra stuff. Mm-hmm. You add more value to the $60. Yeah. Um, I, oh, go ahead, Chad. No, well, I'm, uh, the... Oh, my God. Um, had it in my head. Lost it's it. gone now. Yeah. But the physical copies of games... When it comes to purchasing them from anywhere, Walmart, Amazon, anywhere else, um, when it comes versus digital in terms of pricing, and you talk about the price war, you have things like Humble Bundle, and you have like uh, what is it, GOG? Yeah, You have like these services that are trying to reduce the price of digital games, or we'll offer them in bundles, or we'll do like I, yeah. during the holiday season. I know Square Enix had a a nine dollar bundle where there's like it's a mystery you don't know what in it but in that came like you, got you know a bunch Hitman of old games. You, know, old, you know and you're like well not you in the eye of the holder <laughs> yeah not shitty games but old, it came older with Final games. Fantasy like Lightning Returns exactly so, yeah. I, I, was, I was so happy with this um, but uh, I really do think that when it comes to the gaming industry as a whole that physical copies of video games still need to exist. Until we get to a point to where, like, the entirety, not only of the U.S., but, you know, of other countries and and nations that do not have that reliable internet infrastructure are are good. And and pretty much, developers look at at, um, these physical copies and they say, is it shippable? Will it explode your console if we put it in? No? Does it run the bare bones of things? Can you play the game from start to finish? Yes. Ship it. We don't care if we Not have to everyone, make a, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean yeah. for, for the, the most part, like just just ship it. So when it comes to then, like the physical copies, I still think they need to be around. 
but like you said, they don't need to be as expensive as I'll, they I'll, are for the digital. Like, I'll say they, that they need to match physical parity. The the big thing's holding the kind of con, uh, industry jump to digital, in my opinion, and like uh, digital downloads and purchases is we talked about before the fact that I, I will say specifically the United States and the um, fast, reliable internet across the entire country. There are still lots of pockets looks at will of the country where you're getting satellite internet for five megs or less and you can barely download patches much less a full game oh i can tell you right now do not download anything over satellite because you get a one to ten gig data cap yeah see you're data done. Caps in general are but yeah. also but also things like and i know this was a this was a big hullabaloo when the xbox one was first announced during the don matrick era but like um soldiers People who go overseas yeah. that are going into war zones and stuff and they have R&R and they don't have internet or they have very poor internet in these other countries, kind of like what you said earlier. Yeah, you need and the they don't copy. like they need that physical disc in order to use it um, and play that game because they want to play Call of Duty or Madden or whatever they want to. And, but I think that I don't necessarily think that the entire world has to get better internet for digital to be more prevalent. I think what's going to have to happen are the markets that count have to have better internet. USA, Europe, Japan. When those three ha- can say yeah. like a lo- like 80 to 90% of people have 25 megabit per second internet speeds or higher, then the transition to yeah. digital will occur. I, th- I think I, what, I, what I meant to say in all of this, this is getting so, this top topic is so big and there's so many things that play into it. The Right now, I feel like we are beholden to practices mm. from the physical age. Game releases on Tuesdays. Make no fucking sense. Video games should come out on Friday so I can play them on the weekend. Like, that is how video games should come out. Nintendo does Nintendo that. does it already. Again, Mario, Throne of Bones, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, <laughs> they are already there. But what is the, weird the, for me... The and, music and like, industry does yes, that, too. Soldiers, poor internet connections, awesome. I'm not saying you shouldn't be able to go buy a disc. I'm saying that if you go buy a disc, but if you choose to give up the privileges that come with owning a disc, a.k.a. the ability to trade it in, a.k.a. the ability to share it with a friend, a.k.a. the ability to put it on, like to mobily bring it with you without having to re-download it. If you opt to give up those privileges in favor of the convenience of a instant download, game saves, you know, owning it on PC and Xbox, you know, that type of stuff, I feel like that should be carried over to the consumer in a way that is meaningful. I think what, what would be really cool and it's ideas that I've had about GameStop or stores like them is I would love to see a, like a revamped GameStop where you have like bring that geek stuff in, bring the imported Japanese anime bullshit and the yes. random yes. geek clothes and stuff mm-hmm. and then have your game section. And what I would love to see in the game section is you have your PlayStation, your Xbox, but instead of these physical discs on there, you would literally just have a card and it has the game art. Go to Walmart. Ask <laughs> like, game section of that. And, and then, well, even though, like they still have the physical games in the class, but like yeah, no physical stuff. And then when you pull the game, when you take it to the front desk, they ask you, would oh, you like the yeah. physical or the digital version of the game? And you get to choose. Like, okay, cool. I, I have very good internet. I'll take the digital version. And, like, maybe there's a way to help you. Okay, well, 
go ahead and we'll start download. You can start downloading it now so that when you get home, you'll have it ready for you. Or if you have a physical version of the game, like it's Whoa, just the same. Now, like, hold up here. Get our guitars and all hold hands. Kumbaya. Like <laughs> I want to hear Will's Will's thing. There was a store that once upon a time did all that except for the, the gaming thing. It was called Suncoast. Rip oh Sun man, getting my Yasha DVDs from there. <laughs> I got my Dragon Ball Z yeah, VHS tapes right. yeah. when I was going yeah. through the selling the boost saga. <laughs> See, okay, so I have a idea as to how GameStop could revamp things and actually not only hit their numbers but also be good for gamers as well. Um, acquire Redbox, like if. Games that requires money that they do not have. <laughs> no, but they don't have. I those think you assets. missed the part where I said they are desperate. Well, okay. they are trying. They but, are bleeding out. All right, so so they make money from used games. All right, so here, how about this? You have a whole bunch of new games, quote unquote, new games on the shelf. You tell a person, you know what? For ten bucks, if you want to go ahead and rent this game for a week or two weeks and play through this game, awesome, cool. If you want to keep it, we'll go ahead and charge you the rest. Or, if you want to trade it back in, that's cool. If someone then wants to go ahead and buy that now used game, it hits a number. They sit there and they go, here you go, used game. Someone rented it for about two weeks and returned it. Because that's what happens anyway, right? But um, I think that would that would solve a lot of problems. Plus, you can get new games for cheap. What do you guys think? There's no way the gaming industry as a whole would ever allow that because I, it, when yeah. you when you when you, they want the sixty dollars up front, if you give them a taste, people are going to ask off all like, oh, Horizon Zero Dawn, I can get ten dollars for a week. I'll be sure to request that entire week off, play the game, turn it back in. Oh, I'm done with Horizon. I don't need to play it anymore. And all the developers and the people that work yeah. on that game, mm-hmm. all they get is a fraction of the ten dollars. For renting the game, and I, it's just that's not necessarily right. a bad idea, but people will take advantage of that. The, well, the here, here, but the thing is, retailers are already they're they're paying for those games, so retailers they purchase those games wholesale. So when they purchase those games oh, wholesale, you're, okay, you're talking but, about yeah. On the back when, end. when GameStop purchased those games wholesale, they've already given the developers the cut of the money. Oh, well, then right? that's even so, worse. I want to talk. I want to talk about that right there. Let me like let me talk about that right. What you just talked about right there, because this goes back to the previous point that I had. If you sell a, like a physical copy of a game, right? Uh, the 60 bucks, $37 of that is what's going to the developer, publisher, etc. Uh, bits of it go to the publisher, or uh, uh, sorry, the retailer, distribution, packaging, all of that stuff. So here's my question. All of those fees are removed, right? $37 is what we need to per game sale. Right. If... Weird. I mean, we know Destiny 2 is probably coming this year. Like, they, let's they, say... They said, they, they said it was. Like, imagine a world where they said, hey, Destiny 2 is coming this year. If you buy it digitally, it's 40 bucks. If you buy it physically, it's 60 bucks. Physical games will meet their final demise. And what you will see is the people who will pay 60 bucks will be the soldiers and the people with poor internet. And are they being punished? No, that's the same price you've always paid for your games. The... The value proposition, the savings are being carried. That's, that is what I want to see. Then the game, you know, the question arises of like, okay, should I, you know, like I look at, should I buy this game? Like, I really feel like it is unfair, but they're not going to do that because they get to pocket that money. That's free money that's, that they get to pocket. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that some of the smarter studios are going to pocket that money. But a lot of studios are taking that extra money. The reason that digital games are still the same price as physical is that extra buffer 
the smart studios are saying, take that, put it in development for the next game. Yeah. Or this other, like, especially studios that have multiple But that's games. what Blizzard did, and they just had their most successful year ever. Uh, yeah. They <laughs> sold a game digital only for 40 bucks. They sold the physical copy for 60 bucks across the board. And they released probably one of the most successful shooters of the past decade. And, yeah, and, but that's not because of price, though. That's because of how good Overwatch was. That's, okay, I mean, good game, Horizon Zero. Like that, Overwatch isn't the only good game, right? If if you release, I promise you this: if you released Horizon Zero Dawn at a forty dollars digital price point, you will sell more copies of the game than you would if it was at sixty dollars. No question about it. Now the question is: is does it sell more copies to make up for the difference that you lost? Like, would you know you'd have to sell X number more? And, and there has to do. There's a lot of logistical stuff, but I think that there is there has to, there's a gap. There's a trust gap that yeah. the developers and the publishers have to have with the gamers of saying we want to make money off this and still give you future games. We'll put this at forty dollars. Like basically, you kind of who's going to buy this at forty dollars and make sure and kind of get a head count. And I don't know if yeah. publishers and devs are ready to make that leap. They're not. Well, of, they're not because reta- like retailers, if they did that, if they did, if horizon was like, you can buy it digitally for 40 bucks. Do you know what GameStop would do? They would rip down every horizon poster. If you wouldn't even probably be able to buy the game. They, well, Cause you remember the time they did the digital what was the digital codes in the console bundles. And they required to make a special skew that had the physical copy of the game. So oh, people yeah. could just take it out and trade it well, right then, in. It, even then, like I remember, when so like there was a huge debacle, and I even still see it to this day on GameStop, where Sony kind of started pushing their digital marketplace more. In mm-hmm. GameStop, said, "Okay, we will no longer, we won't feature Sony as prominently as we will, yeah, Microsoft and Xbox." And that's the type of that is the type of behavior that is me as a consumer. That is where I start to say, "Okay, someone's a bad guy." I don't think it's the, like, publishers can be pretty bad to consumers, Mm -hmm. but, like, I feel like GameStop's pretty consistently bad. Well, you you look at GameStop because that's who, that's that's where you're looking at. Yeah, well, but at the same time, they have a history of bad practices, cutting open up a new game and still charging you new game prices. If GameStop wasn't there... If if retail space wasn't there, as like, maybe you just Walmart or Target, right? Like, you're, I don't care... Let me unlock the door for you and get the game that you want. Like, if that was it, there would be no need for all of this middleman bullshit. And people could sell their game for 40 bucks digitally. There wouldn't be a uh, an issue because Walmart is going to... Like, Walmart isn't that concerned with that because their scale is way bigger than that. Target isn't concerned because their scale is way bigger than that. Now, it would hit, a, it would hit them in a metric and there would probably be a discussion. But GameStop would die. Like, D-I-E dead. <laughs> Like they, they would literally just take a Reaper ult right to the face and yes. fall over. It like that would be the end for them because at that point they just like their audience evaporates. Like the only people that would continue to come in would not be enough to support the stores that they have. Even even though they pay their employees literal like crumbs off the bottom of the they, table. But here but. here's the other issue though. It's the ter- it's the psychological perception of price. When you have a whole bunch of consumers who, when you sell a game at 20 or 30 bucks, they don't look at the game as like, oh, great game, great price. They look at it and they go, what's wrong with it? So it depends, uh, on, the, it depends, you know, depends on the game. It, it depends on the game, but I'm just saying, like, as soon as you go, hey, Horizon Zero Dawn is 
what's wrong with it? Is I it mean, actually that, good? That's, that's what's just, going on with that? That is a failure in market. Like if I were to but sell, but that's just how it is because most games that we associate with garbage are sold at a, a particular price. It would point. take a, a shift in mind share for sure. But if you made a commercial that said, "Hey, here's Horizon Zero Dawn coming soon, fifty nine ninety nine and physical copies mm-hmm. for uh, thirty nine ninety nine and PlayStation." Like if you or e- even them, if they wanted to save some of that sixty dollars and go forty four ninety nine. Yeah, one like, of the most yeah one of the most effective things for that was back in the Dreamcast days with two K Sports when they went to nineteen ninety nine on like the football games. Mm-hmm. Like EA had their like premium you know EA Sports football. We have all the teams. We have all the licensed stuff. And two K was like, you can have all the licensed stuff. We just have the better football game, and it's going to be nineteen ninety nine. And here's why it's the better football game. And through word of mouth and everything else, people are like going, hey, nineteen ninety nine is a good price. But that's like. It's a lot. Of, like, I don't know. It's weird because we live in the age like back then, d- digital wasn't a thing, right? right? Like right. it's just there are so many factors that play that play in here. What I'm saying is that I I feel like we reached a threshold that physical is holding us back. Like physical is a is now a weight. It is now a burden on the industry as a whole. And if we can move past that, I feel like people would be very pleased. Now, it would take a lot of trust on from both consumers and from publishers, but. There is a better future than what we have now. They're getting broken ass fucking games day one. I think to to kind of nail the point home and yeah, because we're running on our ninety minute time limit on we the podcast. Are, yes, we don't want to we don't go too crazy. Is that I think at least for me, my ending points like things that would make me really buy into digital is I'm a big collector, especially with games I love or collector's edition. Like I would be totally okay with Horizon Zero Dawn if it was a digital code instead of a physical disc i would not have a problem with that people lost their shit when halo did that yeah they did people lost their shit and i still don't know but for me i would i would like to see it's kind of at the point now because i have great internet i would like to see larger storage capacities on systems other i need a terabyte or more especially if you're diving into a digital only feature with games downloads being 50 to 60 gigs or more and like playstation and Xbox both have ways you, you can hook up external storage devices. PlayStation Four will let you pull your hard drive out and put up to two. Well, now you can do external with the next firmware. Yeah, but yeah, and so like, and, but like everybody wants that sleek. Like I don't want to have an external hard drive. I just want to, you know, it's yeah. internal and everything. Those are two big things that I would want to see. And I, and I will be honest, I don't. Because I want to help the developers and the publishers out for this game, I, you can keep the game at sixty dollars. That's extra money for you. I'm used to paying sixty dollars for a game. I remember when games were fifty dollars, and I remember when games were forty dollars way back when. Remember when they, they were ninety nine dollars on N sixty four? Yeah, the N sixty four of those carts. Some of them got up to one hundred and twenty. But that—that's for me. That's what I would like to see. Have to see in order it, to get into the the, digital the, feature. the reason I think games should be cheaper is look at your games like Ark. Look at your games like, um, I'm trying to think of, like, Minecraft, right? I think Minecraft was one of the first games that, like, kind of was like, hey, it's 25 bucks or 26.99, whatever the price was. Mm-hmm. And that game took the world by storm. It would not have taken the world by storm quite as hard as if it had been 59.99. Ark Survival Evolved, really popular game. Like, super popular when it first came out, still has a big following. That game was, I think, what, 25, 20, 30? Was, I think it was 30 bucks on the Xbox preview program. Yeah. And then uh, I think Steam Greenlight, it was like 25. Yeah. So, like, 
that's like by lowering the price, more people buy it. And that's what I want to happen. I want someone to be able to go out and buy, decide your console price. 249 for a 500 gig drive. Yeah, you have to do more maintenance, but you just save 50 bucks. But now you can for 40 bucks, you know, buy good games and not having to wait for them to go on sale, not having, not being discouraged because you're like, well, the physical copy is so much cheaper. Why isn't the digital copy that cheap? Well, the fact is, is that that the retailers just want to get rid of them at this point because they're taking up store space. They're giving them to you cheaper than it. There's just like so much confusion and it's just cacophony. And I just feel like it could be very simple and more people could get more games. And that's what I feel should be that, the case. That industry and that whole thing can definitely simplification will definitely help streamline it as far as being more communicative to us as gamers and like across the board understanding. And especially if they want us to go, down this path, but I, I will I, I will say to end my that like yeah. As far as the digital only future goes, GameStop doesn't want that. The everybody else wants that. Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, they want digital only future because yeah, that's digital rights for them. management. I mean, and, and they make more money off right. of it. GameStop doesn't because, like you said earlier, said they know that it will kill their business. They have to, and what sucks is that the publishers and developers have to coddle those retailers, and it's like, how long are we going to be able to put up with like? Man, these middlemen just like farming, farming us for money, and it's like, I just, I want, I want them to be able to do stupid shit and undermine each other because we win when that happens. Yeah. But until we get over this, somebody, somebody just has to be bold enough to take the first step. Yeah, all. it really, and I mean, the, you say that, but Microsoft kind of did, and it, it destroyed, almost destroyed their business. So like, there's Sony kind of did with GameStop, and GameStop said, no, we will feature Microsoft now. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's weird. And I, but what I think right now is happening is it's good. It's a slow death. Like you're seeing a slow, like digital sales are continuing to rise year over year. Physical sales are decreasing in conjunction. So like it is, it is good. You need to, you gotta, you gotta tenderize them before the killing blow. And not that I want GameStop to die, but I kind of do. Like, <laughs> oh no, I want them dead. I like, don't. I, I do not want all of those people to be out of jobs, but I do not want them to be in an environment where they are being told you need to lie to your customers. You don't need to sell new games. Like again, if I buy a new game and don't do any of their retail bullshit, I am hurting that employee, and that super duper sucks. And I don't. It doesn't surprise me that these people who are making minimum wage are now resorting to lying to try and keep their job. That they, you know, like it, it doesn't surprise me, right? And so, like, I want them to be out of that, and that is not going to happen as long as physical is still as bullshitty as it is now. In rant, circle of life. Oh yeah, it, it's it's a it's a deep conversation, and I mean, we could take an entire we could take the entire hour and a half to talk about it, but but we're at we're yeah, at the we end of that hour and a half. <laughs> There's more. I, so I you need to let us know what you think yeah. at Rocket Punch Go on Twitter. At Rocket Punch, go on Instagram. Actually, just go to Instagram and like stuff. That's all Instagram's <laughs> for. Just look at it and like it. You can comment, but it'll be hidden automatically. So that's <laughs> I got a better idea. Works. If you actually have an opinion, um, I don't know, rate, review us, or I don't know, email us, Rocket Punch Network at Gmail. Yes. Tweet at us. At Tweet Rocket at Punch us. Go. We'll favorite it. We will. We'll send you a dank gift back. <laughs> We have a man for that. I'll spend approximately 45 <laughs> seconds to a minute in Giphy finding the perfect gift to reply to you with. So bring him on over. Uh, but yeah, if you've got any experiences, anything that you'd like to share, definitely let us know at Rocket Punch Go on Twitter or Rocket Punch Network at gmail.com if you prefer electronic mail. That's always there. Again, 
Lots of shows, lots of new content. Rocketpunchgo.com is where it lives. Go there. Click the buttons. Subscribe, like, whatever bullshit you want to do on any network that you want to. We're making cool stuff all the time. Support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash rocketpunch. Patreon.com slash rocketpunch. Now, listen, you're talking about Patreon like this is just some kind of like walk-in. Like, this is the cool kids club. (laughs) All right? I mean, if you truly want to be the best like no one ever was... If you truly want to catch them as your real test and train them as your cause, you want to head over to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash rocket punch. Supporting us for a dollar a month gets you the wallpaper pack. Dank logos, wallpapers for your phone, computer. They're really cool. They're pretty dank. Three dollars or more bonus episodes. Not only of Rocket Punch Cast, Tank and Spank, and bonus series of Rocket Punch Plays. Get on it. And up from there, all kinds of goodies, physical merchandise, shout outs, all sorts of cool stuff, all kinds of fun goodies. So head over there if you want to support us. That money helps support the podcast and keep this float a float a boat. There you go. Keep this float a boat. Keep this boat afloat. Um, and just to give you guys a taste, mm-hmm. that Rocket Punch Plays series is Cam and I trying to kill each other in advance. No, but you it, just told him what it was. Yeah, I didn't tell him the outcome. It's a secret. No, the no. You must know what you're missing. That's okay. All right. So <laughs> here is what you need to do: head over to rocketpunchgo.com. Make sure and uh, follow us there. See all the new stuff as soon as it comes up. We're gonna have uh, new creator spotlights, new Rocket Punch plays, new PlayStation indoctrination. Remember, Mob Psycho 100 is our anime book club this mm-hmm. month. So get that watched before the 23rd, and then go watch us live at rocketpunchgo.com. Until next time. It's time for us to transform and roll out because it's episode 53 of the Rocket Punch cast. Have a good week. We'll see you next time. Later. Bye.